0: Hello, and welcome to the City of Truth. Episode 10, Religious Claims, Part 2. The original plan for this episode was to discuss in depth what I saw as the strengths and failings of the various world religion candidates that we had covered in the previous episode. I've decided not to do that. This isn't because I don't have quite a bit to say on the topic. I do, and I may end up covering those topics in the future one day, if I decide to keep going with this podcast after we get to my big idea. Yet there's no need to take a negative approach here. I do think that there are serious philosophical concerns worth addressing in some religions. The topic is interesting and deep. To cover it properly would take a lot of time and wouldn't move us toward my big idea. Rather, we can take the positive criteria proposed in the prior episode and move on from there. If you recall, we discussed what would qualify as grounds for a legitimate religious claim. It would have to comply with what we've learned through our process of reasoning, and any valid religious claim would have to be supported by indications that it was, in fact, divine we discuss the two most easily recognizable divine proofs that could be offered, miracles and prophecies. That's where our focus will be for a few episodes. To massively oversimplify and avoid the process of intentionally offending in detail a few billion people, I'll just come right out and say it. I don't think there is anything resembling valid, miraculous, or prophetic claims in either Hinduism or Islam. At another time, we could consider their philosophical issues. But for now, I will simply make this assertion. I have never seen a convincing account of a miracle from either of these religions. They generally don't even emphasize these things. Let's look at that with a bit more depth. 10.1 Islam Let's consider Islam briefly. Doctrinally, Islam claims to be a revelation handed down by God into human history. That's what we're looking for. What about divine evidence? The most well-attested miracles of Muhammad's life, for instance, are the night journey and the supposed splitting of the moon. Yet the night journey, if it happened, is generally thought to have taken place in spirit, so that only Muhammad can attest to it, as even his own wife claimed. And there is, quite obviously, no physical evidence for the splitting of the moon, which is likewise even debated as a claim. Other than that, there are only offhand folk stories gathered together one or two centuries later claiming this or that thing. Muhammad thought the Quran was his greatest miracle, while early followers pointed to his conquests. Neither are proper miracles. They don't show anything exclusive to the divinity. This is regardless of whether or not the claims are true. You could easily be a Muslim who says that yes, Muhammad had a night journey, the Quran is inspired, Muslim expansion was part of the divine plan, and so on, while also agreeing that none of these things meets the definition of a strict miracle. And Muslims don't believe anyone but a prophet can perform public miracles anyway. Given that Muhammad was their last prophet, there is little emphasis on miracles. The same holds true for prophecy. There are some prophetic claims about the future end times, but as the end of the world hasn't happened, that isn't evidence either way. 10.2 Hinduism Likewise for Hinduism, the Mahabharata, an ancient epic text of Hinduism, is openly fantastic, with gods and incredible events taking place throughout. In that respect, it's more like the Iliad and the Odyssey than anything else. It's not intended to be an accurate historical rendering of ancient events, and there's a fair bit of evidence that there were large changes to the text over time. In that sense, it's more like the Aeneid which was part of a long-standing oral tradition written down some thousand years later, after the events it claims to describe. So the sacred texts of Hinduism, like the Quran, don't really offer any evidence of the miraculous or of prophecy. As for ongoing traditions, there are the occasional claims of statues emitting milk, or a specific guru who claims that he can levitate, but refuses to show most people. But again, nothing in the way of independent sources giving an eyewitness testimony of some miracle. In fact, a fair claim could be made that Hinduism is simply a folk religion taken to its absolute logical extreme by a high civilization, like the religion Shintoism in Japan, and one that happened to develop in a monotheistic direction. Hinduism does not much emphasize prophecy, either. There are predictions about the future of the age, but like all distant future claims, they shouldn't have happened yet. And most of them are vague, with references to the general character of mankind at that time. Reductions in age, stature, and moral character, that sort of thing. So if Islam and Hinduism don't offer prophecy and they don't offer miracles, they don't offer much for an unbiased party to validate their claims to a divine origin against the claims of other religions. That's not a statement about whether they're true or false. It's a statement about the nature of the evidence they provide. Now, we won't really consider folk religions, as that's our default claim in the case that there are no divine revelations to be found. We wouldn't expect miracles and prophecies to confirm them, because they are not making claims to divine revelation. What about Judaism and Christianity? 10.3 Judaism. As we said last episode, doctrinally, Judaism is not a problem from our philosophical framework. It proposes a single God who intervened in human history and provided it with a revelation so that it could live in accordance with his wishes. Like Islam and Christianity, that's the sort of claim we're looking for. There are numerous claims of miraculous events in Judaism, but these are almost without exception ancient, and sourced to the books that eventually became the Bible. From a historical perspective, these are single-source claims from an ancient text, and therefore don't provide a reliable proof of anything miraculous. We don't have corroborated, independent eyewitness accounts of these miracles. As with the claims mentioned in Hinduism and Islam, this isn't a statement about whether the religion or events are true or false. They simply don't meet our present criteria. Here's where things get interesting, however, because you can find prophecies aplenty in the Tanakh or Old Testament texts. Moreover, while historians debate the exact dates in which each of the various books were written, there is absolutely universal agreement that they were written at the latest by the 2nd century BC. By that point, Hellenization was in full swing in the ancient Near East, and a Greek translation of the Old Testament called the Septuagint was created. This version of the text spread far and wide. Other translations and other languages existed as well. Jewish populations were found from ancient Persia to Iberia, and their texts were frequently quoted so a whole mess of source documents, quotations, references, and so on exist in the historical record, such that the 2nd century BC time frame is definitive. We know the latest date for the text, then. So what? Why is that important? Well, these texts, the Old Testament or Tanakh, make a number of prophecies about the future. As such, establishing their latest possible date is paramount. It wouldn't be terribly impressive if I predicted that the first president of the United States under the Constitution would be George Washington, but if you found it in some ancient clay tablet from the days of Julius Caesar, that'd really be something. So if we can find convincing prophetic claims in Judaism, we have some grounds for considering it to be a valid religious claim. But Jews, generally speaking, believe the age of miraculous occurrences and direct communication with God ended with the destruction of the temple or at least religious and historical Jews do. Most Jews are kind of on the fence about a lot of this stuff today, or even deny that God did the things claimed about him in the Tanakh. Many people who openly identify as Jews are in fact atheists. Judaism's weird in that it's a culture and an ethnic group and a religion, and these three are pretty tightly wound together. We are here talking about the traditional religious claims of Judaism. Additionally, as probably everyone knows, Judaism and Christianity have a strange one-way relationship. Christianity claims to be the fulfillment of Judaism, and so is perfectly happy to say that God really did intervene and reveal himself to the Jews. But if a Jew thought the same about Christianity, well, he'd be a Christian, not a Jew. Meanwhile, Islam likewise claims to be the fulfillment of both Judaism and Christianity. But this claim is different. Because it says that Judaism and Christianity are highly corrupted versions of an older Islamic style religion. So, really, it isn't compatible, as Islam denies the claims of both Christianity and Judaism. Christianity does not deny the claims of Judaism, or at least ancient Judaism. And Hinduism, well, many of its adherents think that all religions are true, which really is just another way of saying they're all objectively false. They're quote unquote true in the sense that they lead men in the right direction, and not in the sense that their positive doctrinal claims about reality are objectively accurate. Given that there is at least a one-way compatibility between Judaism and Christianity, let's consider Christianity first, before getting into details. 10.4. Christianity Again, doctrinally, Christianity is not a problem for us. It posits one God who intervened in history to reveal himself. It likewise claims that God himself actually became a human being, the prophesied Jewish Messiah, a man named Jesus of Nazareth. He taught publicly for a little over three years and laid the groundwork for his religion and is purported to have performed many miracles. Likewise, he was crucified and is claimed to have come back from the dead of his own accord. He and his disciples also offered prophecies and performed other miracles. In fact, to this day, There are numerous groups and individuals claiming to be the followers of Jesus Christ who also claim to perform miracles. There is a definitive distinction to be made between the Christian texts, or New Testament, and the older Jewish texts, which Christians call the Old Testament. Though it does offer prophecies, the Old Testament doesn't offer anything in the way of corroborating independent eyewitness accounts of supposedly divine events. The New Testament does the four Gospels are four contemporaneous accounts written by Jesus' disciples who witnessed these events. That makes them different from all the other texts we've considered so far. They may not be fully independent, as these people did know each other and discussed these matters publicly, but these really are separate first-hand testimonies of these alleged events. In addition to the Gospels, there is one account of the lives of some of Jesus' disciples after his claimed resurrection. 21 letters written between various followers of Christianity in the first few decades, and one book of prophecies about future events. Let's consider first the integrity of the texts. For the Old Testament, given their age and the paucity of evidence, there is no way to verify their integrity before the 2nd century BC with modern scientific techniques. Some claims can be made for some sections being older, perhaps even much older. But verifying the accuracy of the existing accounts beyond the 2nd century BC with our current sources is basically impossible. And given that the books talk about figures like Abraham, Moses, and David, all of whom lived way, way earlier than the 2nd century BC, there's little in the way of external research that can be done to verify those claims. Devout Christians and Jews believe them to be historically accurate but this is on the basis of believing that they are divinely revealed and not on independent historical research to be fair some of their claims have been verified even claims that were once vehemently denied by the scientific community for instance king david was once believed to be entirely mythical but later archaeological evidence provided strong evidence that he really did exist but that evidence doesn't verify the accuracy of the text It only verifies that some of the text is at least broadly based on some historical events. That's not much more validity than that offered by, say, the Iliad and the Odyssey, which again is not a statement about whether it's true or false. The integrity of the New Testament text is basically beyond doubt. Second generation copies have been found. Accuracy between the early versions of the text found in different parts of the world is somewhere like 96 to 99% and there is ample evidence to suggest that these accounts are at least near contemporaneous. There are quotes found in numerous other texts for comparison, for instance, and versions found all over the ancient Roman world. And these were written in the 1st century AD, which is a pretty stable and relatively advanced period in history under the Roman Empire. Weirdly enough, we have better historical documentation of that time than we do of events nearly a thousand years later, In short, the version of the New Testament we have today is very, very close to what was actually written down by the people living at the time of Jesus Christ. The quality of the modern versions of the text, then, is verified, and this is not disputed by any reputable scholars. What about the prophecies and miracles, then? Well, given our methodology, we pretty much have to throw out the miraculous claims of the Old Testament texts, like we said as well as any prophecies made concerning events prior to the 2nd century BC. A similar claim could be made for the prophecies in the New Testament that were then fulfilled during the time of the text. For instance, Jesus predicted the destruction of the temple. This may well be a genuine prophecy, but there's enough wiggle room in our knowledge of the texts to argue that that specific prophecy could have been written in after the fact, so it hardly provides a convincing case on its own, even if you do say it's genuine. We could have Old Testament prophecies fulfilled in the New Testament period, though. They were written centuries apart. Let's consider the book of Revelations, also called Apocalypse, for a second. To say that this book is obscure would be the understatement of the century. Again, this is in no way a statement about whether it is true or false. It could be jam-packed with true prophecies and still be obscure. I suspect nearly every Christian in the world would agree that it's obscure so making conclusions about the prophecies contained within it is difficult. There are events that are clearly foretold within, along with the obscure passages, but those haven't happened yet, nor have they been invalidated, so they don't really do anything for the case either way. Like in Islam and Hinduism, they concern future end-time scenarios. In short, we should probably look elsewhere. The New Testament also contains a number of other prophecies, Besides those that have yet to occur, such as prophecies about a future world leader called Antichrist and the mass conversion of the Jews, there are prophecies about the lives of Christians. But while these are true, they are also vague. There are predictions of persecution. That's not terribly surprising. There's the prediction that in the last days men will scoff at religion. That's marginally more impressive, but still not anything that requires supernatural insight to guess. Most religions make some sort of a claim like that about the end times. In fact, in the New Testament, outside of the book of Revelations or Apocalypse, there is really only one prediction that can possibly meet our criteria, and that is the claim that the gospel would be preached to the whole world before the end of mankind. That has indisputably happened. But again, though this is even more impressive, it's easy to chalk this up to optimism or even self-fulfillment. Christianity, once established, knew it was supposed to preach to all nations, and so it did. Sure, outside forces could have stopped it, so there is maybe a little something there, but it doesn't scream divine intervention. The New Testament prophecies, in short, don't provide a definitive answer to our question. If one day the clear events predicted are fulfilled, like the conversion of the Jews in Antichrist, then they will provide a definitive answer, just like those similar claims made in Hinduism or Islam. But not yet. So we've tossed out Old Testament miracles and the New Testament prophecies. Again, not because we are ruling them true or false, but because they can't meet our criteria. So what's left? Well, we still have Old Testament prophecies and New Testament miracles. We also have the post-biblical claims of miracles and prophecies of Christians to consider. Quote, Given the bewildering degree of religious diversity in our world, The assertion that there is one true religion for all people strikes many today as hopelessly out of touch with current realities. The claim seems to display generous amounts of both intellectual naivete and arrogance. Like many people today, I would very much like for all religions to be true, and for all morally good and sincere religious believers of whatever faith to be correct in their beliefs and practices. Life would certainly be much simpler if this were the case. But, as I have discovered in other areas, Reality frequently has a stubborn way of not conforming to my desires. I suspect the same is true here. Given the very different, and at times mutually incompatible, claims advanced by the major religions, I simply do not see how we can affirm them all as somehow being true. Harold Netland We will consider Old Testament prophecies first, in next week's episode.